Let's pray together and ask God to meet us in the word. It is so rich, Lord, to hear ways that you're working in our lives. Thank you, Jesus, for your abounding grace and steadfast love to us that we've been able to celebrate. And I pray for more of your abounding grace and steadfast love as we open up your word now that you would teach us and that you'd help me and that you would bring glory to your name because of what you work in our hearts through your word this morning. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. How many of you have read the book uh, Robinson Crusoe? Let's start there. Okay. Wow, not very many. People, people, people. Okay, well, in the book, take my word for it then. In the book Robinson Crusoe, the story is um, this man is marooned on a desert island, right? Uh, Hundreds of miles away from any other people. And in his despair, as the book goes, uh, he's he's, uh, rummaging through this little chest of his belongings and he comes upon a little Bible, which he had never read before, if, if I've got the details right. And in this book, Robinson Crusoe, Robinson Crusoe opens up his Bible, and, and his Bible opens up to Psalm chapter 50. And his eyes land on verse 15. And when he reads this verse, he's profoundly changed. Here's why. Here's what God says in Psalm chapter 50, verse 15. God says, call upon me in the day of trouble. I will Rescue you, and you will honor me. Okay, now, Robinson Crusoe's fiction, right? Psalm 5015 is not. And just let this promise just capture you. The God who really exists right now, who's created everything, the God who has revealed himself come to the earth in the person of Jesus, died for us so that we could be saved, he has promised you, every single one of you, if you're trusting Jesus, then whenever you have any day of trouble, if you call upon him, he will rescue you. Without fail, no exceptions. Call upon me in the day of trouble, I will rescue you and you will honor me and you can just see this his track record is throughout the bible a couple of examples uh the nation of israel fleeing from egypt egyptian army behind them red sea in front of them they called upon god he parted the red sea rescued um hannah childless calls upon god he enables her to conceive she gives birth to Samuel, the first prophet. Daniel, one of my heroes, needed to know what the king actually had dreamed, needed to know the content of the king's dream, or he was going to get killed. He cried out to the Lord. God rescued him, revealed to him the content of the dream, saved. Thought about Jesus himself, Garden of Gethsemane, facing the cross, needing strength, He calls upon God the Father. God sends an angel, strengthens Jesus. He moves to the cross. Paul, one last example. Thorn in the flesh. Some grievous affliction. 
he cried out to the Lord, called upon God in his day of trouble. God rescued him. Told Paul, I'm not going to take the thorn in the flesh away, but I will so pour out my grace and my nearness and my strength and my presence upon you that you will be victorious all through this. Rescued. Okay? Psalm 50:15. Call upon me in the day of trouble. I will rescue you. You will honor me. Now picture like this. It's like there's this big water tank above your head. Okay, just think about this massive water tank. Big, big, big water tank. You can hardly see the, the ends of it. And it's full of God's rescues, full of God's deliverances, full of God's mighty works, ways he loves to work in people's lives. It's just, it's full of it. And it's, it's right above you and there's a, a pipe coming right down from that tank right to you. Okay? Then you notice there's a knob. There's a knob on the side of this pipe, like a little faucet thing, and it's labeled, call upon me. Because God has set things up that to have all those deliverances and those mighty works and those saving works that God wants to bring into your life, he wants you to call upon him. And when you call upon him and open the faucet, the rescues flow. But if you don't call upon him and the faucet stays closed, they don't. Mostly. Okay, God's abounding in grace. He does sometimes work when we don't ask. But God has set things up so that mostly the way that those mighty works, those rescues, those deliverances flow into our lives are through us asking. Okay, now, some of, some of us, you experience lots of God's deliverances and rescues. I mean, regularly, maybe even every day, you, ex- you, could just, you could just sit and talk to us for hours about how God has rescued and delivered and met you and worked. And the reason is because you bring your needs before God in prayer. You ask, and then his rescues flow through the pipeline. Others of us, you don't experience much of God's works in your life. You just don't. And the reason is because you you don't have a pattern and a habit of bringing every need before God in earnest prayer. See, God is always ready to rescue us. Every day of trouble you have, He's ready to rescue you. He has rescues for you, but He says, Call upon me in the day of trouble, and I will rescue you. Call upon me and I'll rescue you. So what I'm praying God will do this morning in all of us is that he will stir up through his word more of a pattern of bringing every need, problem, difficulty, trouble to him in earnest prayer. Because I promise you, based on Psalm 50, 15, every need, every problem, Every trial you bring to God in earnest prayer, he will rescue you. You will never, never, if you're trusting Jesus, you know him, you're crying out to him, you will never have a day of trouble where you call upon him and he doesn't rescue you. He will always rescue you. Now the passage I want to focus on is Psalm 86. Let's turn there together. If you need a Bible, we want to make sure you all have a Bible to look at. So raise your hand. We'll pass one out to you. Psalm 86. 
And the Bibles we're passing out, it's on page 494, Psalm 86. Now here's some background. You can look in verse 14 and see what the problem is that David's facing. What's his day of trouble? He's got a murderous band of men who are seeking his life. That's what he's facing. And that's kind of outside of our comfort zone. But you can think about like Frodo with the Dark Riders or something like that, right? I mean, think about a murderous band of men who are trying to, to kill David. That's the day of trouble that he's facing in this passage. And what David does when he faces this trouble is he asks God for help. He calls upon the Lord. And I think we can learn from this psalm, from how David calls upon the Lord for rescue, how, how we can bring our needs before God and ask God. But now before we look through the, the psalm, I, I want you just to think in your own mind, what's some need or problem or concern that you have right now in your life? We've all got, I'm sure, more than one, but just can you just think of one, focus on one in, in your life? Maybe it's a work issue. Maybe it's a relational problem of some sort. Maybe it's employment or finances you're concerned about. Maybe it's difficulty in your marriage or with your kids or with your parents. Maybe it's a health problem. Um, do you all have one? Okay, some, some need that you have. We've all got one. We've all got numerous ones, okay? Now, what I want you to understand is that God wants to rescue you in that problem. He wants to work in a powerful way on your behalf in regards to that problem. But the way to experience that is by asking, asking him. So how do we ask? You've got the problem, whether it's employment or finance or relational or area of temptation in your life or some spiritual difficulty. You've got the problem. Let's learn from how David asks in, in Psalm 86. I found 11 just suggestions, okay? So let's go through these. The first one is this. Ask God to hear you. Look at verse 1. This is a verse we can easily just gloss over, but do we ever pray this way? David says, Incline your ear, O Lord, and answer me, for I am poor and needy. Do you ever pray that way? Do you ever start off by saying, God, would you, would you listen to me? Would you hear me? Do you ever pray that? It's all through the Psalms, if you start to look at it. Now, why? Well, think about it like this. Imagine that you were at Santana Row, and uh, you're walking, and you see President Obama walking towards you, okay? And it, it flashes in your mind, there's a request you'd like to ask him. Okay, you've got something you want to ask President Obama. All right. Now, feel how different it would be if you walked up to him and just made your request versus if you walked up to him and you said, um, President Obama, could I have a moment of your time to ask you something? Do you feel the difference? Asking for permission, asking for someone to listen to you would be very appropriate given his position as President of the United States. Did you feel the difference in that one? Okay, now, we're all different. Some of you, I would guess, tend to err towards being too formal and stiff in your prayer. Others of you err on the side of being too loose and casual in your prayer. So, so this first point is for those of you who err maybe on the side of being too loose and casual. Let me suggest 
This week when you pray, just just try this and see what happens. Instead of just barging into God's presence and talking about, I need this, I need this, I need this, I need this. Start by saying, incline your ear to me, O Lord. Father, would would you listen to me now? Because when you... When you do that, it, it helps kick into your mind and your heart who you are and who he is. And then you know what's amazing is that every time you ask God, would you incline your ear to me? Would you listen to me? He leans down and says, I'd love to. Yes. What do you need? So try that in your prayer this week. Ask God to hear you. Second, ask God for help. That's obvious. I mean, David needed help. You need help. Here's how David does that in verse 2. He says, preserve my life, for I'm godly. Save your servant who trusts in you. You are my God. Now remember, David's facing a group of, of men who want to kill him. And so David asks God for help. Preserve my life. Save your servant. David has a problem He asks God for help. Now, why is it that this last week I've had problems and you've had problems that we haven't asked God for help about? Is there anybody here who's had a problem this week and you... How do I ask this? Has anybody asked God for help for every single problem you've had this week? I don't think so. Now, that's a really strange thing if you stop to think about it, right? Why is it that I have needs, problems, concerns, and I don't ask God to help? For me, one of the reasons is, I think I can take care of it. Right? Now, if you stop and think about that, how on earth could I think I could take care of it when there's a God who's asked me to ask him for help for anything I need, who has infinite power, flawless wisdom, who's abounding in loving kindness and care. I am no match for God. You have before you, there's, it's like there's the water tank of all of infinite, loving, powerful God's help. Ask, and it'll flow, and if you say, oh, I can handle this one. It just doesn't make any sense. You're no match for God. I thought about it like this. Remember we were doing the, uh, the gardening work out here at Allen School. We were putting the irrigation stuff in for their, for their garden. And it's Saturday morning, and we were there, and a bunch of us had shovels, and we were going to be digging these trenches for the PVC pipe to run through. And then remember, Martin Grijalva pulls up with his ditch witch. Remember that? After about two seconds of watching this ditch witch, we all put our shovels away. <laughs> I mean, why, why would we even start digging? <laughs> Done, you know? So, so think about it. Um, our shovels were no match for the ditch witch. Your abilities and skills are no match for God. Ask him for help. Just like David does here. Ask him for help. Third, ask God for his grace. Verse three, be gracious to me, O Lord, for to you I cry all the day. Use that phrase when you need help from God. Use the phrase, God, be gracious to me. That's just rich biblical language. And it's not just that it's rich biblical language, but it's, it's very helpful for at least two reasons to, to, to pray that way. Be gracious to me. Some of us 
tend to think that uh, God will, will help us because of how good we are. Okay, depending on your temperament and personality and psychological bent, some of us think that God's going to help me because of how good I've been. I've done this, I've done this, I've done this. But that's not true. It's a lie. You will never be good enough to warrant or deserve anything good from God. That's just the reality of the Bible. Even at your best moments, this side of heaven, we're still, we still have indwelling sin in us. So it's a lie to think that you can be good enough to deserve good from God. And so if you come on that basis, God will not hear you because you're not coming in Jesus, trusting in Jesus, understanding his righteousness is what you need to be clothed with. So if you start praying, be gracious to me, it'll be a wonderful reminder that that's right. All I can ask God for is grace, mercy, not what I deserve, but would you freely give me something I don't deserve for the sake of Christ in spite of me, because of him, for your glory? So if, you, if you'll pray, be gracious to me, it'll help you. If you're the kind of person who thinks God will hear you because you're, you're so good. Others of you think that God won't hear you because you're so bad. Right? You know who you are. This will help you too. Because when you pray, be gracious to me, you're reminding yourself, What you're asking for is undeserved favor. And I'm undeserving. Right? So if an undeserving person is asking for something undeserved, that fits. So when you say, be gracious to me, you're reminded that's what God loves to do. God's all about doing things that people don't deserve. So are you not deserving? You're at the right place. God will do for you as you come to him in Jesus' name. So as you bring your needs before God, weave into your vocabulary, be gracious to me. Be gracious to me. I'm I'm asking for grace. I'm not good enough to receive good from you. I'm not so bad that I can't receive good from you because of your grace. I'm so glad you asked that. Notice in verse 2, preserve my life for I'm godly. Save your servant who trusts in you. In Hebrew, poetry doesn't rhyme by sound, like, you know, now I lay me down to sleep, I pray the Lord my soul to keep. That's rhyme by sound. That's not how Hebrew poetry does it. Hebrew poetry, this is all poetry in the Psalms, it rhymes by meaning, saying the same truth with different words. It's happening here. So godly here, David defines as trusting in you. Okay, so what, what godly is, he's not saying, I did this good, I did this good, I did this good, and that's why you should give this to me. He's saying, I'm, I'm trusting you. What, what is the one and only condition that we must fulfill in order to receive anything good from God through Jesus? It's faith, trust. Sola fide, Latin, reformer's term. Faith alone. So all the places where the psalmists list what sound like conditions are fulfilling, which they are, They all find their core in faith. They're simply saying, I'm trusting you. I'm trusting you. They're not saying, you owe me because of this. They're saying, I'm trusting you. Okay? Good question. So third, ask God for his grace. Fourth. Oh, I love this one. Ask God to gladden your hearts. When you're in a day of trouble, you are not feeling glad. Right? You're not feeling a lot of joy. And it's just so interesting that David, he said, deliver me from these murderous men. 
gladden my heart. He's asking for that too. Verse 4, gladden the soul of your servants. For to you, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. For you, O Lord, are good and forgiving, abounding in steadfast love to all who call upon you. This is one of my 4 a.m. verses. There's lots of times I wake up at 4 a.m. and at 4 a.m. everything looks bleak, okay? And I'm worried and I start getting panicky about something or just depressed about something. And these two verses, I've memorized them, and these have been, God has used them to put me back to sleep time and time and time again. So David asks God to gladden his soul. He says, I lift up my soul to you. It's like he's picturing, here's my soul, it's not glad, I'm lifting it up to you. Would you change it? Okay, just a great picture there. And then he... He fellowships with God about three truths about God. And these are so powerful. Notice the the, the flow. First, you, O Lord, are good. When you're facing a problem, it's just so hope-giving to stop and think, yes, I've got this problem, and that problem, and that problem, but God is good. Isn't that awesome? God's good. That just changes everything when you stop and think about it. That's the first truth. So he's, he's just saying, Lord, you're good. He's fellowshipping with God about his goodness. And then he says, and forgiving. Now that's, that's helpful because I can always think, well, yeah, God's good, but I'm bad. And that means I'm always going to be in trouble with God. Well, except that God's forgiving. Okay, so if God's good, and if he's forgiving, hope is opened up, right? Especially then with this third truth that he's abounding in steadfast love to all who call upon him. Oh, I love that line. So you're calling upon God right now for some problem. What that means, because God is abounding in steadfast love to all who call upon him. If you're calling upon God, what that means is God is abounding in steadfast love to you. So his steadfast love is, is in the pipeline. The abounding of steadfast love is is coming. It's like Tom said, it's it's coming. It's on the way. So David says, God, would you gladden my soul? Would you make glad my soul? Because I lift my soul up to you. Would you change it? I'm not having joy in you. And God, the reason I should be glad is because you are good. I want to just fellowship with you about that. And you are forgiving. Yes, I've, I've, I've done wrong. And because of Jesus, you've forgiven me. Thank you. And you are abundant in loving kindness, steadfast love to all who call upon you. Oh, when you pray this and you linger over God's goodness and you linger over God's forgiveness and you just just rest in the fact that he is abundant. By the way, the word abundant, you know what the word abundant means? Like overflowing. Like what's the opposite of abundant? Stingy? Miserly, maybe it's a little bit of steadfast love here. No, it's just like gushers of steadfast love, right? To all who call upon him. Do you see this? This afternoon, you kneel down by your bed in your bedroom because you've got employment problems or a problem at your workplace or a relational problem and you cry out to God to work. What is true now that you've cried out to God to work? What's true? His steadfast love is abundantly coming to you about that problem. Something's changed. From before you prayed, before you call upon God, you call upon God, and after you've called upon God, His steadfast love is abundantly being poured out to you. 
abounding in steadfast love to all that call upon you. So ask God to gladden your heart in the midst of the other need that you're bringing before him. So David's got murderous men after him. He stops and he says, would you, would you restore to me the joy of your salvation? Would you give me joy in anticipation that you, your steadfast love is coming down the pipeline, big old pipeline, gusher, abundant love. Here it comes. Okay, fifth, plead with God. Verse six, give ear, O Lord, to my prayer. Notice he's again asking God to listen to him. He's repeating that from verse one. Listen to my plea for grace. Over the last few months, because of some books I've read and some of these verses like this one I've I've pondered, I've been intentionally seeking to plead with God as I ask him for needs. I'm, I'm trying to express my requests to him with with genuine longing and feeling not just god you know bless this and please take care of this and and do this but earnest longing and desire pleading with god that's what that's what david does here don't let your prayer kind of become rote or stiff or you know perfunctory in some way but just maybe take some time to linger and feel how, how deeply you long for this, how much God will be glorified through this, and, and plead with him. Okay, Get real. You need what you're asking for. And God is, the God of the universe is listening to you. And so plead with him. Get on your face before him. Cry out to him. Plead with him. Let the Lord stir that up in your, in your heart. My plea for grace. Declare to God the truth of who he is, sixth. Oh, this was so helpful for me to think about this week. You know, when you're facing a problem that's big, so often we forget about who God is, right? The problem takes center stage. That's got your focus. Maybe God's out here on the periphery some kind of a vague way, maybe not even at all. It's just easy to totally focus on the problem itself. But notice how David, in the midst of facing a problem, murderous men seeking to kill him, he stops and he declares to God the truth of who God is. Look at verse 7 through 10. In the day of my trouble, I call upon you, for you answer me. There is none like you among the gods, O Lord, nor are there any works like yours. All the nations you've made, shall come and worship before you, O Lord, and shall glorify your name. For you are great and do wondrous things. You alone are God. Now think of what would have happened in David's heart. He's, he's very preoccupied, I'm assuming, with this problem. These murderous men are seeking his life. And he stops, and in these four verses, he just revels in who God is. You're going to answer me? You're ruling over everything? Right? No one does works like you do. So think about your problem right now. You've, you've already thought of a problem this morning. Now think about it in terms of these, these four verses. Verse 7. He will answer you. God will answer you about this problem. Verse 8. The God who answers you is above everything else. Right? No one else does works like he does. He's over everything, so he can take care of your problem. Verse 8. Let me say verse 9. If God is in sovereign control of the nations and he's in sovereign control of your problem, 
He's not wringing his hands wondering what's going to happen. He is in control. Total control of every detail. Verse 10. God's going to do great and wondrous things for you because he's God. I just, I just love thinking about how this would have comforted David. Those men are under your control. Absolute control. You will answer my prayer. You will do great and wondrous things. So let the truths of who God is bring comfort to you when you're facing this problem. Seventh, ask God to teach you his ways and change your heart. This is really interesting. Um, verse 11. Teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. Now, that's a strange thing to pray. Murderous men are seeking to kill him. And I think what's going on here is that as serious a problem as David knows he has with these murderous men, he knows he has another problem that's far more serious. And that is his own remaining sin. David had been saved, been born again, new nature given to him. He loves God. He's holy. He's a saint. He's righteous. But he still has remaining sin. And so he knows that's even a bigger problem than this murderous gang of men who are seeking to kill him. And so, and he also knows that, you know, when trials come, it's easy to let trials make us despair and then move into sin, right? Have you experienced that? When things get tough, it's easy to move into sin, to, to, to drift from the Lord. And so David wants to stop here and ask God, verse 11, teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. That is, work your truth of who you are, your ways, your glory, your mercy, your love. Work that into my heart so I will walk in you more closely and unite my heart to fear your name. My heart's fearful about these men, angry at these men. I've got some pride going on over here. I've got this desire over here. Pull all my heart affections together. Weld them together into one burning passion for you and your glory. That's what he's praying for. And now think about this. What would God do if you took some time this afternoon and prayed for God to teach you his way so you can walk in your truth? What do you think God would do? He would more teach you his way, and as a result, you will more walk in his truth than had you not asked him. If you took like 10 minutes this afternoon to pray that, you'd, you'd be taught more by God, and you'd walk more in his way. What if this afternoon you took like 5 minutes, 10 minutes to pray, unite my heart to fear your name? What will God do? He will work in your heart so your heart will be more united together to fear him, trust him, love him, than if you hadn't prayed. Right? Do you feel the, the, the wonder of this? Think of that water tank again. And in that water tank is all kinds of God's heart-changing work and sin-overcoming work and temptation-breaking work and the theological term sanctifying work. You will receive more of his sanctifying work if you ask for it than if you don't. How often do we ask God Teach me your way. I want to walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. Or as David prays, I forget the psalm. Is it 19 or 139? Keep me from presumptuous sins. Why does David pray for that? Because he knows when he does, God will keep him from presumptuous sins. Why does David pray, 
put a guard over my mouth so that I watch what I speak. It's because he knows that when he asks God to do that, God will put a guard over his mouth so that he'll watch what he speaks. The water tank is full of God's sanctifying work. You have not because you ask not. You feel that? Oh, this is good news. Because ask and you will receive. Turn the crank. Let it come. In the midst of asking for employment and finances and everything else. Okay. Eighth. Thank God for his steadfast love to you. When you're in need, facing a problem, your heart usually doesn't feel very thankful. Right? My heart feels grumbly and complaining. And I like grumbling and complaining. That's why we feel that way, right? There's this dark pleasure in, you know, anyway. No pity parties here. Look at verses 12 through 13. I give thanks to you, O Lord my God. Men are trying to kill me. I give thanks to you, O Lord my God, with my whole heart. And I will glorify your name forever for Great is your steadfast love toward me. You have delivered my soul from the depths of Sheol. Hell. Okay? So stop and just get the big picture. No matter what you're facing, and it may be big problems and heartbreaking problems. I don't want to minimize the, the, the weightiness of the problems I know many of you are facing. But no matter what you're facing, God has poured his steadfast love out upon you through Jesus Christ and the cross. You've been saved from hell. That is awesome. That is massive. And it'll put into perspective the problems you're dealing with now. And with, a, with all your heart, you'll be able to say, thank you for my salvation. I am saved. I am redeemed. I am in your hands. I'm in your family. My future is secure. My, my steadfastness is secured. I'm forgiven. I'm adopted by you. Thank you. Ninth. Oh, I love this one. Compare the problem with God. Again, if you look at just the problem, feel impossible, nothing's going to happen, it's, it's over, hopeless. David faced a huge problem. But look at what he does in verses 14 through 15. Verse 14, he describes the problem. Oh God, insolent men have risen up against me. A band of ruthless men seeks my life, and they do not set you before them. Problem. Big problem. Verse 15. But you, O Lord, are a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Memorize these two verses and use them kind of as a formula every time you pray about a need. Start by describing the problem and then say, but you, O Lord. Okay, so... David is thinking, men have risen against me, or maybe you're thinking, I need a job, or, or I need money, or I need wisdom, I'm confused about a problem, or I've got this work situation that's going difficult, or I've got this health problem, or my kids. But you, O Lord, are a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. And that changes everything, doesn't it? We tend to camp on verse 14. Okay, we tend to just, it's all, our thoughts are all about verse 14. But you, O Lord, 
are God merciful and gracious. So compare the problem with God and it will encourage your heart. Tenth, again, ask God to hear, be gracious, strengthen, and save. Verse 16, he repeats requests he's already made. He says, turn to me and be gracious to me. Give me your strength. Give your strength to your servant. Save the son of your maidservants. Okay, that that phrase, son of your maidservant, I think what's going on there is David saying, God, I belong to you just as much as the son of a slave would belong to the slave's master. He's simply saying, God, I belong to you. I'm yours. You've purchased me. And notice that in this verse 16, he repeats requests he's already made. Why? Why repeat? You've already mentioned them. Why repeat them again? It's just like Luke 11. Uh, Perseverance, persistence in prayer is, is important. Lots of reasons for that. But I think too many of us pray once, maybe in some kind of a perfunctory way, and then, well, we prayed and then we move on. But here in this psalm and all through the scriptures, we see godly men, godly women, persevering in prayer, persisting in prayer. Ask and keep asking. Seek and keep seeking is how the Greek reads in in that teaching of Jesus. Finally, 11th, ask God to display his favor so people may be saved. Verse 17, show me a sign of your favor that those who hate me may see and be put to shame because you, O Lord, have helped me and comforted me. Okay, now when David's praying, you know, have them be put to shame, he's, he doesn't want them to be embarrassed. It's not like he goes, yes, they're all really embarrassed. He's praying that they would see that there is a God, and he's already described in verse 14, they do not set you before them, so Lord, let them see you, who you are, so that they would say, I've been wrong not to set God before me. So they will be ashamed of their sin, of their unbelief, and repent, and be saved. That's what David's praying here. Be gracious to me. Show your favor to me so that people will be saved. See, he, he keeps God's glorious purpose of displaying his majesty by saving the lost. That's at the very center of his request. That's, that's the heart of his request. Save me so that people will see your mighty works and so that they'll be saved as well. And it's so powerful when you can Weld together your longings and God's glory. Your longings and God's mission. Your longings and God's passion to display his glory by saving the lost. So that's where David ends up. God, show favor to me so that these people will be saved and you'll be glorified. Okay, now, here's what I want us to do. Well, first of all, before we do that, here's the action step I'd like you to take. This week. I wonder, I just was wondering this week, how many of you, like at the beginning of every day, when you head into your day, you've got preoccupations and things that are worrying you, right? You've got fears, concerns, needs, problems. You've got your top four or five or 20, right? They're there. Wouldn't it make sense in light of this passage? I mean, wouldn't it make sense in light of Psalm 50, 15, to start off every day calling upon the Lord asking him to help you with each of those specific problems that you're facing that day. Wouldn't, wouldn't that make sense? Some of you do that all the time. Others of you don't. Let's all do that. Because 
If you'll start the day off saying, I'm concerned about this. I've got this phone call to make. I don't want to make it. I've got to confront this person about this. I'd rather not. We're short on money. I'm not feeling well. If you bring each of your days of trouble issues to God, what does he say he'll do? Call upon me in the day of trouble. I will rescue you and you will honor me. It'll transform your day. I know some of you, every day, you have reports of mighty ways God has worked in your life. That's the reason why. It's because you start off the day laying all of your concerns and needs before the Lord. Here's how I want us to close today. I want us to do a lab. Take a couple minutes where... We've talked about this. This is like the lecture, and now you've got to do the lab. Fire up the Bunsen burners, okay? And let's see how this works in real life. So I want us just to take some time and to pray. A couple minutes. And, uh, and I want, I asked you at the very beginning to pick like one need, one concern, one problem that you've got. I want you now to bring, the, bring that before the Lord. Just you yourself, in, in silent. We're not going to make anybody do anything. Just right where you are. And... And I want you to pray. So let's pray first and ask God to come and meet us. And then I'll just, I'll just lead us through this. So I pray now, Lord, we've, we've all got a need we want to bring before you. I've got one and, and each of us do. And I, I pray that, that this would be from the heart and that you would meet us now and that you'd even impart hope now and comfort now. And strength now. So would you do that, Lord? You you say, call upon me in the day of trouble. I will rescue you. And you will honor me. So we want to obey you. It's a command. You've commanded us to call upon you in the day of trouble. So we want to do that now. So start just by asking God to hear you. And then maybe ask God for help. And then say, be gracious to me and think about that word gracious. And then just kind of flow through. Maybe some, you can't get through all of them in, in just a couple of minutes here. But maybe there's one or two that especially are jumping out to you. But go ahead right now in the quietness of your heart. Come to God in Jesus, clothed in Jesus' goodness and righteousness. That's how you can come to him. Ask him to hear you. And then ask him for help and then keep going. So go ahead, just on your own right now in the quietness of your heart. Okay, that's, that's a taste. Lord, thank you that because of Jesus, we can come boldly to your throne of grace to receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Just another way of saying, call upon me in the day of trouble, I will rescue you and you will honor me. I pray, Lord, I plead with you, for me, for us, that this week we would bring every day of trouble to you in prayer, every need, every heartache, every obstacle, every discouragement, everyone to you, and pray as David prays here in Psalm 86, and that we would meet you, connect with you, and see your mighty works, see your rescues, and see your deliverances so that you would be praised and glorified. Do that, Lord, this week in each of our lives, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.